Hello and welcome to the Value Pricing Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Wickersham. I'm a chartered accountant, public speaker, and value pricing expert. In fact, I'm obsessed with value pricing and helping accounting professionals get better prices, being more valuable to their clients, make more money, and of course, have more fun. That's why I've spent over two decades teaching accountants and bookkeepers how to value price their services. These episodes are recordings from my live training sessions where I'll be teaching how to price your services, how to win more clients, and how to run a more profitable accounting firm. So I'm going to talk about how do we come up with a price. I'll start with the wrong way to price, and then we'll move on to the right way of doing it. How do we come up with price? But before I do that, we need to understand that uh, fundamentally there are only two ways to price. Uh, And this isn't just for the accounting profession, this is for any industry. There are only two ways to price uh, when we drill it right down. And they are cost plus pricing and value pricing. And that's it. Every every other method of pricing you've heard of, whether it's uh, time-based billing, whether it's menu pricing, whether it's demand-based pricing, uh, whether it's contingent pricing, they're all they all fall into one of those two types, or sometimes it's a hybrid. So it's either cost plus or it's value pricing. Cost plus, simply as the name suggests, is we come up the pro- with a price by adding up our costs adding on a margin or hopeful profit, and that's our price. Whereas value pricing is we start with the customer as to what do they value, and we price based on what they value. So they are the only two ways of pricing. And it's been demonstrated a decade ago by the Austrian School of Economists that cost plus pricing is a crazy way to price. It's, uh, if you understand the, the law of supply and demand, it ignores the demand side of the equation. In other words, it ignores what, demand, what, what customers value, what customers want. So cost plus pricing is a, is a crazy way of pricing. Unfortunately, many industries have stopped doing that and they're moving to value pricing. And it's now starting to happen in our profession. We need to move towards value pricing. Cost plus pricing of which time-based billing is a form of, is a crazy way to price. It's crazy for so many reasons. Uh, For example, it's crazy because we know from research that actually customers hate it. Customers hate not knowing what the price will be until after the job's done. And that's why sometimes time-based billing is referred to as ambush billing or surprise billing because the client doesn't know until the work's been done and we can add up the hours. So that's crazy. I mean, it's crazy for other reasons as well because one of the things I know from my own research over the last 15 years is that firms that price based on the hour consistently make less money than firms that are successful at value pricing. So value pricing is fairer on the customer because they get a fixed price up front and it's fairer on you because you make more money. So we have to we have to make sure that we switch to value pricing. Cost plus pricing is the wrong way to price. Let me tell you about another wrong way to price. And this is a big mistake that I made when I was in practice. So I started my accounting firm in 1996. Uh, I sold it then uh, 10 years later. I sold it in 2006. I hadn't actually worked in it since 2003. My client managers bought it off me in a, in a management buyout. And I didn't come across value price until 1999. It was, I was uh, three and a half years into my practice. I was time-based billing. And this is the way that I would typically price when I, as I grew my business, grew the practice. Uh, in the first two or three years, I was seeing lots of potential 
new clients, seeing prospects every week pretty much. And I would go out to see the clients. I would, yes, I'd impress them I, because I came from a tax back, background. I gave them tax planning ideas. Uh, and by the end of the meeting, I could feel that things were going really, really well. That was until the question I hated, which was, so Mark, this sounds great. We like what you do, uh, but what will it, what's it going to cost? And that's when I'd come out in a cold sweat and panic. And I'd usually say, do you know, I'll, I'll need to go away and think about it and I'll create a proposal and I'll send you th something through the post. Now, that was bad enough. That's a crazy way to price anyway. It's a crazy way to price. But just to compound my mistake in terms of how did I come up with that price, this is what I did. During a meeting with a prospective client, I would start off by talking about how I'd give them some tax planning ideas. And I would then say something like this. I would say, so that I can give you some ideas of some tax planning ideas, could I have a look at your last set of financial statements, at your last set of accounts? And so most times they would give me a set of the accounts. And what I would do is I'd go through them, yes, partly to see if I could spot some tax planning opportunities, but really the thing I was most interested in was when I flicked to the back page to see the detailed profit and loss account. And when I looked at the cost structure, the costs, I was looking for the line that said audit and accounting fees. And I would make a mental note up here of what is that number? What, what did they pay last year? What's the figure in the accounts? And having got that number, when I then sent out my fee proposal afterwards, the price was always based on what they'd paid before. And usually, in most cases, and this is even more crazy, I would go with a price that was typically 10% less. I won a ton of business. I grew my accounting firm incredibly fast. 200 clients in two years, that was how fast I grew my business. But I didn't make any money because I was pricing in completely the wrong way. And so here's the other big mistake. When it comes to coming up with a price, the worst thing that we can do if it's a brand new client is take into account and copy what the existing accountant or bookkeeper is charging. We absolutely should not do that. We absolutely shouldn't. The reason for that is because quite simply, or a number of reasons, but the, one of those is one of the, we, know, we know from research is that most people in the accounting profession have no idea how to price. Most accountants, most bookkeepers are too cheap. So given that most are too cheap, the worst people we can copy is the competition to copy their existing accountant or bookkeeper. It's a crazy way to price because, because they don't know how to price. It's also crazy because actually where do they come up with that number? Well, the chances are that number was cost plus pricing. So again, it doesn't help us at all because we're trying to value price. Last year's price doesn't help. In fact, I would go one step further and suggest to you that if you are talking to a brand new client, one thing you absolutely do not want to know is you don't want to know what they paid last year because what they paid last year, if you discover that number, that's going to create an anchor in your mind or a reference price and therefore create a ceiling on how much you will then price this piece of work. So we have to try and not find that out. We have to find, figure out a different way. So they're the big mistakes. Now, when we're value pricing, so, so let's move on to the right way. When we're value pricing, we have to recognize there are really a number of key phases that we need to go through in the pricing conversation, the value conversation, which essentially, by the way, is really a sales process. If you're talking price, if you're trying to win some work and talking price, you're in the sales process. Pricing is so interlinked with sales. 
So in that process, there are essentially three key phases that we're going through. And you might want to uh, make a note of these and write them down. The three phases are these. Phase one, we have to uncover the value. We have to uncover the value. Phase two, we have to build the value. And phase three, we have to capture the value. So we uncover value, we build value, and we capture the value. So what do I mean by that? Well, the uncovering the value is the part of the conversation, the first part, where we ask questions. I sometimes call it the fact find, and the purpose of the fact find is we're asking questions and spending most of the time listening. We're asking questions so we can start to uncover, start to learn what it is that's important to that particular client or potential client. What are the things they want out of life? What are their goals? What are their aspirations? What are the pain points? What are the things that stress them out, that keep them awake at night? We want to learn those things because that will then help us to understand what it is that's important to them, what it is that's valuable to them. And there's a process that we need to go through to do that properly. So that's what I call uncovering the value or carrying out the fact find. It's about gathering information. It's about learning. So that's what we do first. Then what we need to do is we then need to build up the value. And what that means is that now we understand what's the right thing for the client, what they value. We now come up with our solution, our suggested solution. And what we need to do in the build the value phase is use techniques and language to build up the value in the client's mind so they fully understand what it is that we're going to do, how it solves their pain, or how it helps them achieve their goals. So that's really important about because if we don't do that very well, if we don't build up the value of what we do, then they're never going to see it as being truly valuable, and they'll always see your price as being too expensive. So we have to build up the value next. And then only when we have done that and built up the value... Do we then capture the value? And what I mean by that is that in stage three, that's where we now reveal the price. That's where we come up with a price that captures the value, a price that's based on the value to the customer. So they're the three, the three steps that we need to go through. And sometimes those three steps can be done in one meeting. Very often I would recommend, particularly with a brand new client, or a major piece of work, you might want to think of that as a two-meeting process. You might want to spend the first meeting just understanding what the client wants, the fact-find, the uncovering of the value. So you can then go away and you can think about what might be the right solution. So that's certainly the case if it's a brand new client or certainly a big piece of work. So let's, um, let's think about this just for a second. Let's, let's think about this building the value and, and presenting the solution. One of the techniques that we, we absolutely should be doing, which we I've talked about many times in the past, is menu pricing. That's where you give the client different choices, different options. And, and that becomes an important part of your how you come up with the price, which we're going to come on to in a second. So we're almost there. But um, just, just by way of background, come up with three choices. Think of it, if you like, as the bronze, silver, gold. And what I, thought I'd, what I thought I'd do just for a couple of minutes is just give you an idea of a generic idea, a way of how you might think about your three choices. Because when you uncover the value, when you do phase one, you'll start to get an idea of what it is the client needs and what it is they want. <laughs> and that's not always the same thing. Sometimes what they need is, is not the same as what they want. 
When you're creating your three options, once you've carried out the uncovering of the value and you're creating, up your, creating your options, and this is particularly powerful if you're doing a large project or bespoke work of some sort, a great technique is to think about making your middle option, your silver if you like, delivering what it is they want. You have the middle option being what they want. And then you might have the entry level, the cheaper option, being the essentials. That's where the, the entry level, the bronze, if you like, or essential or entry, that's the package that gives them a, a good solution. It delivers something, but it doesn't have everything they want. Okay, We strip some things out. That way the client has a choice when you then come to presenting your price. They can either choose to pay you a, a high price for what to get what they want, but if price is an issue for them... There's always another option which just strips out some of the things that are not essential, but they would like those things. And then what we do at the other end of the spectrum, our gold level service or our premium service, that might be where we think about, well, what are their real needs? Let's think beyond um, what else do they really need they've not said. Uh, what other types of, uh, of add-ons, solutions and things can we do to give them a better result? Okay, let's now move on to then this stage three. How do we then capture the value? How do we come up with a price? Whether it's a, a price for a single solution or bronze, silver, gold, how do we come up with that price? And how do we do it in such a way that we ensure we never make a loss? Well, the first thing to think about is there's broadly, and it's very, I'm very broadly here, two kind of scenarios or types of solution that we could come up with, that we might encounter. One of those is where, as part of the process of uncovering the value, we identify through the process some ways to quantify the value. One of the things you want to try and do wherever possible, particularly in that first stage of, of, of uncovering value, is try to quantify wherever possible. Because that will really help with then capturing the value, with coming up with a price. So that might be... Let's say that one of the things that you're talking to a client about or a potential client is some tax planning opportunities. Then wherever possible, try to put a number on the, quanta, the, the quantum of the tax savings. Because if we know that one, if, let's say you've got two meetings with clients next week about tax planning, and one of those clients you identify that you could do some, some tax planning and save them £10,000 in tax, the other client uh, has got some slightly different circumstances. You could do the same tax planning, but actually you could save them 100000 in tax. Then the one that's going to save 100000 there's clearly greater value than the one that's 10000 And so we would price accordingly. The more, the more the value, the higher the price should be. And so wherever possible, try to quantify the value. And that can certainly be done most times with tax planning. It can often be done with uh, any form of business consulting type of work where you might uh, estimate, uh, if you're doing consulting work, how much you could help the client increase their bottom line profit, help them increase their cash flow, increase their, their top line sales, whatever it might well be. So wherever possible, when you are uncovering the value in that fact-find stage, try to find ways to get a number on the value. And sometimes that's a little bit easier than others, like tax planning is a good example. But sometimes it's really, really difficult. And so the other kind of type of work that we might have is compliance work, like doing tax returns, like doing payroll, annual financial statements. Bookkeeping are, is, is are typical forms of compliance work. And the complexity we have, or the difficulty we have with compliance work is, how do you put a number on that? How can you possibly quantify the value to the customer of completing a tax return? 
That's much, much harder. That doesn't mean we give up and, ab and abandon value pricing. It's just harder. So there's a kind of broad, these two broad spectrums of types of work you could be talking about. If you're talking about work where you can quantify the value in some way, tax planning, consulting work, then you definitely should use that quantification of value as a guide to help you pricing. But sometimes that's not possible, sometimes, or, or much more difficult, like compliance work. Well, I hope you're enjoying this episode so far, and of course, we're not done yet. But before we continue, if you're looking for more free training and help, here are three things you can do. First, connect with me on LinkedIn. Tell me you listen to my podcast, and I'll send you some links to some free resources. Next, be sure to visit my YouTube channel containing hundreds of training videos. Hit the subscribe button and the bell to get notified when I upload new content. And join my Facebook group, Value Pricing with Mark Wickersham, and be part of a community of accounting professionals getting better at pricing. Okay, let's continue. So I'm going to look at the, the latter. I'm going to look at compliance work now uh, because that is the harder one. But uh, let's, not just, let's not ignore or forget the other type of work. When we can quantify the value, it makes the pricing a bit easier because we can link the two things. We can more directly link the price to the value. Okay, let's now move, therefore, on to compliance work specifically, although this process still applies if it's tax planning or business consulting as well. It's just that it's a bit easier there because we've also got another piece of vital information, the quantification of value. Now, when we're pricing anything... We want to ask uh, a series of questions because we have to uncover information. This is, this is an, an, another level of questions beyond the, the fact finding. In uncovering the value, we're looking to ask questions to identify what the clients value, what their pain is, what their goals are. But once we get to capturing the value, we're going to need some more questions. We're going to need to find out a few things. And the first thing we have to do with any piece of work, if we're going to be, giving, if we're going to be value pricing and if we're going to be giving a fixed price right up front, one of the things you have to be confident of is that you're going to make a profit on the job. Now, sometimes you won't. When you, whenever you give a fixed price, whenever you use value pricing, there will sometimes be situations where you get it wrong. Sometimes you will give a fixed price and then you go and do the work and realize you got it wrong. That's inevitable. And that's, to some extent, that that's also gives you an opportunity because when you give a fixed price up front, it's you that has the risk that you've got it wrong. If you are time-based billing, which is the crazy way of pricing, cost plus pricing, if you're time-based billing, it's the client, it's the customer that takes the risk. Because if you take longer doing a piece of work, then the price goes up. The client's got little or no control over that. If you've assigned to a, piece, to, to a client and a piece of work a new trainee and, and they're making a mess of it because they're learning on the job and perhaps they've also got the senior manager working closely with them and, and training them at the same time and that goes all on the timesheet, then the client's effectively paying for that and that's not really fair <laughs> and it means the customer has the risk as well. So when we give a fixed price right up front, what happens is we transfer the risk away from the customer onto our shoulders. And when we take on board the risk by giving a fixed price right up front, then we absolutely must, we should charge a premium price. We should always factor in a higher price to compensate for risk. And 
people will pay for, people value that. That's how the insurance industry works. So you should certainly increase, when you move to value pricing, you absolutely should be increasing your prices. And that means that, okay, sometimes you might get it wrong because you've got the risk. But what you will find is that when you value price well, when you, as you master value pricing, the number of times you will get it right and make a premium profit, if you like, will far exceed the odd few occasions where you get it wrong. I hear so often people are reluctant to move to value pricing because they're scared of getting it wrong. Uh, and particularly with bookkeepers and cleanup work, which we might come on to another time, uh, the cleanup work is one where... I've heard of many people who've dabbled in value pricing of that, got it horribly wrong, so gone back to timesheets, which is crazy. Um, there is a better way. We just have to learn from the mistakes and figure out a better system. So how do we make sure we don't make a loss when we are coming up and calculating a price? That's where the first category of, of pricing questions come in. We have to ask what I call scope questions. We have to ask questions that help us to identify the scope of work involved. Now, those scope questions, the questions that we will need to ask, we'll learn those from experience. So, for example, let's take something straightforward. If you are pricing a payroll service, then a payroll service, the scope question, the sorts of questions which, which would determine the amount of work involved would be, I would guess, with payroll, the two main ones would be how many employees are on the payroll, and number two, how frequently do we have to run the payroll? Is it a weekly payroll? Or is it a monthly payroll? And those two factors, the frequency of the payroll and the number of employees, determines the amount of work involved. And so those would be what I would call scope questions with payroll. If you're a CPA or a firm of accountants, then you will probably do a lot, spend a lot of time doing annual financial statements or annual accounts. And some great scope questions might be, what is the turnover of the business? Certainly, if you're doing annual financial statements, and the same with perhaps audit work, is that it should be a higher price for a 20 million turnover client than one that's turning over 100,000. So turnover would be a good indicator of scope of work. If it's bookkeeping, it might be the number of transactions, for example. If it's tax returns, your pricing, it could be related to the number of sources of income or the number of pages of the tax return that need to be completed. So that's the first type of question that we should be asking. What are the scope questions? They're very important because when we, when we ask the right scope questions uh, and we factor in and figure out a way of pricing based on that, then we'll should, we should always make a profit. Sometimes we'll make, if we ever get it wrong, the great thing is once you've built a pricing system, if you get it wrong, then you learn from that. And you, if you get it wrong because, and you make a loss on a job, it might be because you think, do you know what, I wish I'd asked the question, do you have overseas subsidiaries? Because that took me ages to figure that out and sort out the job because of that. Okay, you now learn from that and you recognize that when you now ask scope questions, you ask an extra question, set, which is, do you have overseas subsidiaries? And so the great, th the great thing about creating these questions and building a system is over time, the mistakes you make, you can learn from and build more scope questions into your system so that you never make a loss. Now, there is then a second type of question that we should be thinking about, and I call them preference questions, because here's the, here's the key thing about value pricing. Ultimately, only the customer can determine value. Only the customer knows what's valuable to them. And so what we want to do is we want to, we want to offer things that the customer values and link that to our price. And so these are things that, these are things the client can choose. So an example might well be, uh, let's imagine you're an accountant and you do annual financial statements or annual accounts. 
at the end of the year. And at the end of the year, you also, when you've done the accounts, the financial statements, you have an end of year meeting with the client. And that meeting is to go through their results for the year, their financial statements, to approve everything before it gets filed to the tax authorities or whatever. And also as part of that meeting, you might give them a few tips, advice and tax planning things that you've spotted from doing their accounts. So the question then might be to the client, you might ask the client, when we have that meeting at the end of every year to review your performance, to review your results, to give you some thoughts and ideas, who would you prefer to have that meeting with? Would you prefer that to be with the senior partner, me, or would you prefer that to be with one of our managers? And that's what's called a preference question, because the client gets to choose what they value. Do they value working with you, or do they value working with, uh, or are they happy working with somebody like your, like your senior manager? And if you're a larger firm, you might actually list all the people they could work with. Now, usually they'll say they want to work with you. If you're the senior partner, they'll say you. Uh, and that's because the reason they choose you is because they see value in working with you. That's great. If they value working with you, that should be factored into the pricing in such a way that if the client then can't, if when you then reveal the price, the price is then too high, we can go back and we can review these preferences and say, well, look, the reason it's that price is because you want to work with me, the senior partner. And that will be great. But actually, I know your industry, my manager, Fred, specialises in your industry. So if that price is too high, you could always work with Fred as your main point of contact. Now the client has a choice. And all customers want choice. They love to choose things. Now they can choose between do they see value in working with you and are willing to pay the premium price or are they actually willing to sacrifice working with you and work with Fred, knowing that it'll now be a lower price? That's called a preference question. And I would recommend that for every service, every price that you are going to every pricing process you will go through, is try to give the client two or three options, two or three preferences, so they can get to choose. And what happens is, and there's some psychology behind this, is when the client's involved in the pricing process and they get to choose things, very often they choose things and therefore will choose a higher price than they would have done if you just presented a price. Now, a third, before, I'm going to make this really practical in a second. I'm going to, now, I'm going to talk you through uh, how you might apply this to a service, bookkeeping, just very quickly. And, uh, but before I do, just one other thing. Once you've then done that, once you've worked out the scope and you've given some preferences and you've calculated from that a price, you should then uh, apply that price to each of your bronze, silver, gold. So now the bronze, silver, gold, your three choices come in. So the client gets to choose not only, some, not only some preferences, like, for example, who's their primary point of contact, but now they've actually been give, given three options, the bronze, silver, gold as well. So the client's very much in control. And what you will find is that in a typical, the, if you look at the population of business owners, typically about 25% of business owners, of entrepreneurs, are the sorts of value buyers who go for the most expensive. So what you will find is when you give people choices, like the three packages, the bronze, silver, gold, and give them options, many of your clients, not all, but usually about 25%, uh, will choose to buy at a much, much higher level than you might have thought before. And this is a way, by giving people choices and options, this is a way of finding out which of those clients actually see more value, who are willing to pay higher prices. And you'll have many clients, usually about 60%, who would be willing to go for a middle option and, again, pay more money than you would have expected. So let me now quickly look at an example of how you do it. Let's look at 
bookkeeping as an example and let's consider that let me just walk you through an example so you can just see how all this stuff works so let's let's look at scope questions so imagine you were pricing for bookkeeping work you've you've uncovered the value you've gone to that process you've now built up the value you've worked out what might be your bronze built bookkeeping service which could be a cut down essential level you might have a middle option which has things that you know clients typically really want from bookkeeping and then you have a a top level that has some premium stuff in there that really gives people what they need it might include some advice some reports some extra meetings whatever it might well be and before we now come up with the price of that bronze silver gold we now want to make sure that we that price a, we don't make a loss, so we want to ask the scope questions. So scope questions might well be, when you're pricing a client, might well be things like, well, how many transactions do you do in a typical month? That would be a great question for bookkeeping work. You might want to ask, uh, what type of business sector are they in? Because you might know from experience, if you're a bookkeeper, that certain sectors are a bit of a pain. It might be the construction industry. It has all sorts of complexities, difficulties, and so you might want to charge a slightly higher price, perhaps a 10% premium, if it's a client that's in the construction industry. You might want to know whether or not they uh, are registered for sales tax or VAT in the UK, because if they are, there's more... Uh, entries you have to put in when you post up the the data entry the the invoices and so on there's the the net the gross and, and what's the rate of sales tax or VAT you might want to know how many bank accounts they have how many credit card accounts these are all scope questions and so you want to get skilled at working out what are the scope questions you need to ask to figure out how much work might be involved and how will those scope questions impact on the price so for example if you decide that if one of your questions is, are you registered for sales tax or VAT, you then need to decide, well, how much more expensive should the bookkeeping be, if that's the case, versus a small business where, there's no, where, it's just, where they're not registered for sales tax? And I'll tell you about how you come up with those kind of numbers in your system in a second, so hold that thought for a second. Then what you might do is ask some preference questions. So if you're a bookkeeper, the sorts of preference questions that you might ask could be things like, uh, do you want to raise your sales invoices for you? And do you want to organize the payments to suppliers? In the US, they call that bill pay services. You might want to give the client a choice over the frequency of the bookkeeping. Do they want it done weekly or monthly or is quarterly sufficient? You might want to let them choose between whether you scan the records or not. And so on and so forth. You can ask these scope questions and then you're ready to give your fixed price based on your three choices, based on those numbers. So you now give them the price for the bronze, silver, gold. Let's imagine they said they want the middle option. They want your silver level, your full bookkeeping, if you like, the middle option. And you reveal the price and now the price is too high. Well, if that's the case, if the price is too high, that's not a problem. Because we've asked some preference questions, what we can simply do is we can then work with the client. We can't change the scope questions because they're, they're questions of fact. And they can't change whether or not they're registered for sales tax or how many bank accounts they've got. But we can look at the scope questions and we can say, well, the reason it's that price, let's say it's $750 or pounds a month. If that's too high, we could say, for example, well, the reason it's that price is because you'd like us to raise your sales invoices for you and pay your suppliers to do bill pay services. How important is that to you? And they might say, well, it's not that important. Um, what would it be if we didn't do that? So we can then, those preferences or options, we can, if you like, take them out of their virtual shopping basket. And now we can come up with a price that doesn't have those things in. 
And it might well be it's now rather than $750 or £750, it's now 580 And at this point, the first price creates an anchor, and now we have a lower price, the client might well say yes. If they don't, then all we do is we just go back and we look at the preference questions and we might take something else out. And this is why I said, if you can come up with about at least ideally three preference questions, three things the client can then choose, because then you have three opportunities, if they've said yes to those three things, to go back and keep just working with the client, changing the package, changing the price. So let me now um, just wrap up in our last couple of minutes by making some key points. I've got two key points here. The first one is... How do you know what is the right price? How do you know what is the right price? For example, I said, if they are registered for sales tax or VAT if you're in the UK or, or GST if you're in Australia, how, do you, how much do you add on for that? Well, it might be, well be 25%. How do you know that's the right price? You don't, it's through experience. Ultimately, at the end of the, end of the day, the only person that can determine what they value is the customer. And so the, with value pricing, what we have to do is build up the value, uncover, uncover the value first, build up the value, present um, in the right sort of way, and then involve them in the pricing process. When you involve customers in the pricing process, what happens is as part of that process, they start to see how the price is building up, they start to see the value, they start to understand things, and people spend more money when they're involved in the pricing process. And the second point I want to make is and this is a really, really important point with value pricing, is when you are in the capture the value stage, you want to make sure that when you reveal your price, the first time you reveal your price in the client meeting, is you want to aim for that to be too high. Now, that might sound scary, because I guess what you've done in the past is the complete opposite. But here's the mistake we make. We make the mistake of assuming that people are price sensitive. And because we don't like a no reaction, we don't like to lose the work, we tend to go in with a price. If we give a price to a client, we give a price being a number we hope that they will say yes to. And thinking back to the big mistake I used to make, uh, that's why I would look to see what the existing accountant or bookkeeper would be charging, and I'd go in with less because I wanted the client to say yes. And that's crazy because if the client says yes to your first price, it's really, really simple. If they say yes to your first price, you've gone in too cheap. You've left money on the table whenever a client says yes to your first price. So whereas historically you might have gone in with the price hoping they'll say yes, that's actually the wrong approach. And if you find that you are working too hard for too little money, that's because you're too, too cheap and that's because we have to change the pricing process. We have to be more confident about our pricing. What you want to do is go with a high price. And then when your price is too high, what we do is we work with the client. We change things with the client in front of them until the client says yes. So that's the broad process on how we come up with a price. Ultimately, the client is the only person that can determine value. You just need to make sure, though, that you've also got the right scope questions so that price is always going to give you a profit. And even when the, you have to change a few things, the scope questions make sure that whatever you change, you'll still always make a profit. Well, that's all for today's episode. If you want to learn more about value pricing, you can join my Facebook group, Value Pricing with Mark Wickersham. It's a community of thousands of accounting professionals. If you want to take things to another level, you can enroll in the Value Pricing Academy or one of my other academies. 
Find out more when you head to www.wickersham.co.uk. Members of the Value Pricing Academy learn how to price better, how to master business advisory, and how to build more successful and enjoyable accounting firms. I'll be back soon with another episode of the Value Pricing Podcast. See you soon.